with empathy, uh, it just is the ability to step into somebody else's shoes. And as soon as you do that, the differences kind of disappear and, and you almost want to create a space for other people. So your walls come down. So I feel like a lot of times our walls are up because we think somebody's different. They're going to be hateful, whatever thing you have in your mind. But as soon as you can step into their shoes, you see that humanity in them and you see the sharedness. And sometimes your heart opens for them that you're like, oh, I want to create a space for you to belong to. So I see that you're not just complaining. Like it's not just a you're complaining about the world and stuff. It's actually something in your heart that needs a place to be. Welcome to season 13 of Purposeful Empathy, a show that is dedicated to amplifying the voices of people from across the globe who understand the world needs more empathy and are doing something about it. I want to thank you for watching. Enjoy the show. And if you haven't already picked up a copy, I invite you to do so. So welcome to a new episode of Purposeful Empathy. Today, I am joined by Shannon Hutchison, who is the founder of Beyond Our Image, a Calgary-based culture change enterprise that uses stories to bring people together, create stronger community ties, and foster empathy in the workplace. Shannon is also a professional photographer and has taught in Canada, the UK, and Tanzania. Through her travels and as a member of the Two-Spirit LGBTQ plus community, she sees a strong need to create a sense of belonging for people. Beyond Our Image creates visual campaigns and facilitates storytelling workshops for community and bridge building. These initiatives have as their foundation an idea that every person matters and deserves to feel seen, heard, and is important. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited because all the work that you do, I'm like, I get a conversation with you. This is very exciting. For me. Fun, fun, fun. <laughs> and I just want to look at all the pictures over your shoulder. I'm sure yeah. you're telling me about all of that beyond our image. So I guess maybe just to settle us into context, like what is your motivation for wanting to create a world of greater belonging? Any better? It's um obviously it's always such a long story. And I always find like, where you end up, you're like, oh, there's so many pieces that led me to this. Um, I think it honestly started, I was the youngest kid in my family. We had three, three of us. And that, that like need to belong was like started right from, you know, when you're the littlest one and you're like, pick me, pick me. So I had that in me, but then in high school and in junior high, I didn't even know what it was, but I started questioning my sexuality. I wasn't even questioning it. So I didn't even know it was a thing, but I felt different. Right. Um, and then when I came to realize what it was, because I had never seen two women hold hands or anything like that was the era we were in, right? It was like, what? That's allowed and that's even a thing. Um, I just had a fear of coming out because I didn't want to be othered. I, I was worried about losing friends. And then I found that need to just fit in instead of belong. And I didn't even like it was such a journey. And then added on that, I was teaching and I was teaching around the world and then came back um, and taught at a school in Calgary that has a lot of new Im immigrant families. And I just saw that need for them to belong as well. So there was, we, I did a lot of belonging projects with the kids. 
obviously some of it was because I was dealing with belonging, but I was seeing how important it was. And I'll never forget, um, there was a grade five student and she's a Muslim student. And she said, um, I said, when people look at you, what do you want them to to know? And she's like, I want people to know that when I pray, I pray for peace for everyone and not just for people like me. And I was like, wow, like she knew at that age how she was being perceived and the hate that was coming. And I was like, we, I think all of us, wherever we're coming from, just want to be seen for who we are. And so that all just kind of came together that I'm like, no matter kind of what community you're coming from, you do just, you want to belong as yourself and not as what you're told you're supposed to be. So that's a long-winded story answer to it, but that's kind of what got me there. And so I did a lot of um, photo projects at the school with the kids, and it was all around what they wanted people to know about them. And yeah, just from a young age, all those kids are looking to belong. And at the same time, I was coming out and kind of stepping into myself. And I'm like, it's just, yeah, there's so many similarities, I think, between all human beings that don't quite fit what you're supposed to, right? Right, and I think um, proximity to to difference actually is bridge building by itself, right? So like stories of, what is it called? Humans of New York is a good example, but all these um, ways in which we can come across people who have such vastly different lived experiences or perspectives humanizes us, right? So what do you think the, what do you think, it is about empathy that allows belonging. Like what's the relationship between belonging and empathy in your mind? Um, yeah, I like, I like what you just said. It is so true when you are come across differences, that's when you see the shared humanity there. And that's exactly what had happened. Um, with empathy, Uh, It just is the ability to step into somebody else's shoes. And as soon as you do that, the differences kind of disappear and, and you almost want to create a space for other people. So your walls come down. So I feel like a lot of times our walls are up because we think somebody's different. They're going to be hateful, whatever thing you have in your mind but as soon as you can step into their shoes you see that humanity in them and you see the sharedness and sometimes your heart opens for them that you're like oh I want to create a space for you to belong to so I see that you're not just complaining like it's not just a you're complaining about the world and stuff it's actually something in your heart that needs a place to be um that steps into that I also heard um something once this is along the lines I don't know why when you were talking about it it brought it up when I was teaching a long time ago I read in a magazine that people who aren't creative cannot have empathy so the role playing and stuff from kids at a young age um, how important that is to create a place of empathy and then I started thinking about that it's true like in in creating um, you're able to step in that other person's shoes. And as soon as you do, you want to create that place for them to belong. And okay, so th- the, I, that's an interesting segue talking about creativity. I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the campaigns that you've curated and organized um, and how you feel that they have promoted empathy. Sure. Um, I guess the first 
one that I started was at the school and it was called Windows into Our World and a hundred students brought cameras home and they took photos of things that they wanted to share with other people. Um, it could be something personal or not just anything they wanted other people to understand about them and they brought the cameras back to school and we had tons of conversations about like why is this image important to you and what do you want people to know about it. A lot of the kids took photos of different parts of their culture that people didn't know about. And what it did was it was allowed the kids to have conversations about differences between them that what you kind of mentioned before suddenly became similarities because they saw like, oh, in my culture, I do this too, but just in a different way. And this is also important to me. Um, and so it was honestly just through sharing, through being open and through the conversations that empathy really started to grow and that led to me deciding as a photographer I wanted to do it in the community um, and so I started um, one that ca that's called when you pass by and I took photographs of people around the community um, and asked them all the same questions it was when you pass by I hope you see I want you to know and I wish for you um, and and then as I started asking these questions it actually turned into asking people about their experiences with belonging. And that's where it became really, really powerful because people on this side, like that you might not think are going to be friends or have similarities, suddenly you saw similarities in their stories of belonging. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think that was the part that started to pull people in because they suddenly saw somebody's story and realized that when they see that person, it's not the story that they would imagine. Or, or they, they see somebody who looks different, who they're fearful of, they read their story and suddenly they become human to them. Um, yeah, and then that led me to do um, a campaign called Swipe Your Stereotype. And that one has- 10 seconds, 10 seconds. Oh, before, yeah. before we get into Swipe Your Stereotype, because I, yeah. I, I want to continue on this uh, journey, but those three questions, because I believe you, but I want to live them. And maybe yeah. anybody listening or watching could also consider asking at the dinner table these questions with their family or in their workplace. So ask like, me the questions one at a time so I can actually experience what it's like to think about the, the question. Sure. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so you're imagining that you're walking down the street and you just come across a stranger um, and you see that stranger and you know that they have, they've already made up their mind about you in a way. They've seen you, they've categorized you, but what is it that you hope that they see? Mm. Hmm. I hope they see that uh, I'm, I'm really earnest about wanting people to live their best lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. And a lot of times I found that what people say they hope someone sees is what they think somebody might not see mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and how I'm tall and blonde and sometimes wear suits. And so I could imagine somebody just kind of writing me off as some kind of like, I don't know, you know, corporate type or whatever. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so that's yeah. the first question. 
Um, and then the second one is this person sees you, you they made assumptions, but what do you want them to know? So what was the first one? How is it different? What do you um, I hope you see. And then the second one is I want you to know. But I want you to know. Um, they've made assumptions about me, what I want them to know. Um, hmm, these are big questions. Yeah, they take some time. Yeah. Okay. So it's not everybody who like nobody comes up with a flash response. So most people have to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely reflective questions. Like, okay. and I imagine like, you know, you catch me tomorrow, I might have a different answer. Right. So um, what I want people to know is that um, mm, I think I want people to know how much I love teaching. Yeah. Mm. that's great yeah and it's so interesting to hear people's answers because they're not what you think they would be which ties into the bias and like the purpose of the project right uh -huh. and then the third one is was kind of the fluffiest one it ended up so that's when I ended up going into the belonging piece but it was um when you pass by me um I I wish for you Oh, to have a great day. Yeah. 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 And a lot of those were similar, um, but it was, it got very powerful. Like some of the answers um, really opened my eyes like this. Um, Etienne, I don't know if you can see up in the corner um, says being different. And Etienne is wearing high heels, has long hair um, and uh, this one, he said, being different is not a cry for attention. It is me not being able to fit um, into the box you're trying to shove me into. And I thought, wow, like that open, because so many people think people are making a cry for attention or they want to be looked at. And it's not that. It's just like you have a box and that's not a box that I fit into. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like how the critical mass of us in one way, shape or form or the other feel the crushing oppression of normative, like what it means to be like normal. And we need outlets to express ourselves because we are so unique and fabulous. Right. And right. it's easy to say to somebody who's like, you know, wall to wall, uh, tattoos and punk hair and whatever, and say like, wow, you know, that is some, but whatever. And I, I find that a fascinating thing. It's like, no, I'm not trying to get your attention. I'm just trying to belong somewhere. Yeah. Just yeah. trying to be who I am. And yeah. And it's not to do with you at all. Like yeah. there's nothing to do with you. And maybe actually, maybe that's what upsets people sometimes about it. It's like- mm -hmm. You're provoking well, me. Yeah. You're yeah. calling to task the fact that I am the straight and narrow for, you know, or being held captive by that. Huh. Yeah. Okay, great. So you were about to say a third project you worked on. Oh yeah. I love that you slowed that down though. That's so good. I like that you did that. Um, and so the third one, has been the most 
powerful in person. So online, it hasn't done much, which I was hoping like just to open people's minds, but um, people have been using it in workshops and stuff, which I think is really cool. And so it's called Swipe Your Stereotype. And what I did was photograph people, but then I asked them all the same questions. Um, and they were all different. Like there was things like, what is your pet peeve? Um, what is your biggest hope for the world? Um, what is the best thing in your life? Like pretty general questions, right? And then what you do though, is you read the answers before you see the person. So you're reading that this person's pet peeve is um, eating lemons. Or, that was a funny one I liked. And then um, they hope to see their family one day. Um, and you're reading these. They This specific one, um, they were, they're a certified FIFA soccer coach. And then you read about this and then you just pause and you imagine what does this person look like? So you stop. So what would somebody whose pet peeve is lemons hopes to see their family one day and and is a FIFA certified soccer coach? Imagine what they look like. And then you swipe and you see who it actually is. Um, and for this one, it's a woman named Nadine who's amazing. She's a Muslim woman. She's a refugee who's come to Canada. Um, and I, I did this actually at the school when I was teaching and always the kids were just blown away right like they're like I assumed it would be a male right that was for sure um and what it does is just points out in a way that you can reflect on is like okay why did I assume this and I actually did this with a grade one class and um we weren't sure how it go we just were curious like we were curious about it and it was a different one but the statement was I am brave and I said okay um who, who do you think this is do you like what gender do you think this person is do you think they're non-binary do you think a female a male like what do you think and all the kids said it's a male it's a male for sure and I was like okay um why why do you think it's a male grade one student mm -hmm. um they're like I don't know just it's a male and I was like okay so does anybody have somebody who's not a male in their life who's brave and all their hands shot up? And one of the kids said, yeah, my mom is way braver than my dad. And I was like, isn't that interesting? So why did we shoot right away to it's a male? Um, and it just, I think for me, that experience showed me we don't need to feel guilty for having these like these biases towards people because they start so early. So of course we have biases. Our brains just make that up um, because it makes sense of the world, but it's just being aware of them. And I was like, yeah, in grade one, if you already have that, then of course it's going to travel with you through your life. And it's just becoming aware of that because I guess like going back to the belonging piece is when we hold these biases, but don't um, become aware of them that's when we don't create a place for people to belong because we've already pinned them into their boxes. It's so powerful to say that, okay, we were born and, and have evolved in this culture. So like fish swimming in water, not knowing that they're in water. So of course we have inherent implicit biases based on the culture that we live in. And the invitation that you're offering is that there's a, a, an opportunity to unlearn some stuff that we've learned 
by becoming more aware. And you know, what comes up for me is um, I recently on a long trip, like we were driving to Maine and uh, I asked Annika, I don't know, you've probably heard this little, um, I don't know what to call it, like little, not quiz or it's not a joke, but anyways, this little thing is um, a, a father and his son are driving in a car and they get into a car accident and the son is taken to the hospital for surgery and the doctor says, I cannot perform surgery because this is my son. How is that possible? And so Annika, who's seven, was like thinking, struggling, struggling, struggling with that until I said, well, it's mom who's the surgeon, right? So it's the same idea. And she was baffled by the fact that she didn't get that answer quickly enough. But then not too long later, and I don't want to suggest that these are related, but maybe they are in some way, shape or form. I had a gathering of, of alum in my living room not too long ago, and we were playing in the empathy ga- an empathy game, like a new game that I bought. And um, one of the questions uh, as a prompt question was, if you could change any law in the land in which you live, uh, what would you change? And Annika's hand shot up. It wasn't even her question. She's like, I'd like to change the law that men and women are equal. And I was like, oh, really? Tell me more. And she says, because we'd played a lot of chess on that uh, trip. I think she was like learning the game a little. And she came out and her she said, you know, the woman, the, the queen is the most powerful piece. It can move all over in all directions, fast and low. But why does the game end when the checkmate happens to the king? Like, it's not fair. So I just feel like wherever we can interrupt or kind of confront um, some of our, our stereotypes, some of our biases is, is like an opening for ways of thinking about the world and people differently. Totally. And it, it enriches our lives, mm. like, which some people are scared of, right? Scared yeah. to open up and things change, right? But I do, I believe it builds connections and, and makes so many aha moments. Like, what a cool aha. I never thought about that with chess ever, right? I'm like, that's totally right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Hi there. At the risk of interrupting this great conversation, I just want to draw your attention to two things. There's over 150 episodes on the Purposeful Empathy channel. You may want to check them out, and I would invite you to press the subscribe button so that you get them into your mailbox every week so you don't miss a show. Thanks so much for watching. Without any ad spend or SEO, we have over 25,000 organic views. I wanna thank you so much for watching. Again, hit the subscribe button. The world needs more empathy and you have a role to play. So what are some of the other powerful moments that you've come across through any of your projects? Anything come to mind? Like, um, Honestly, I think it's just seeing people's minds start opening up and um, and starting to bridge that divide and want to bridge that divide. So I think it's always in conversations, um, a lot of times with kids, because if they can open their minds, then we can keep moving forward and there's a little bit of hope for the world. But um, yeah, those those are kind of the most eye-opening ones but there's uh well there's been actually of course now they're like flooding to me um one that was really really cool was during the when you pass by campaign and um I knew there was somebody that was struggling to come out um and wasn't ready to which was totally fine but I could feel this sense that he wanted to 
there was like, so he said he would do the project and he told me that he was wanting to come out. And I said, okay. And so I went to do the video and I noticed he didn't mention anything about his sexuality, which obviously you don't push that because they're not ready, but I could feel a bit of a sense of wanting to. And so I, when I emailed him with the questions and stuff again, because a lot of people do take time to reflect on them. Um, I said, I, I did notice that you you didn't mention it and there's no pressure, but if you're feeling like this is something you can do, like I'm here to support. And he took that and he did come out during his post. And he emailed me a couple months later and said, I've come out to my family now too. Um, and just by being given a voice and a platform, he's like, it just gave me the courage too. So I think a lot of times it's just giving people a platform and telling them that their voice and story matters that allows people to step into their true self. So that was a really cool moment for me. Um, another, another one was a friend and um, her kid actually came out to her with some information and she was joking to me. She's like, you've just caused a tornado in our house now. But she's like, great. And she's like, no, this is great. Like it's it's open to dialogue. And I think sometimes we just don't have that dialogue and need that platform to or questions like you playing that empathy game. I'm curious what that is, but giving that platform for people to think and to use their voice. So, yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll include in the show notes uh, some information about the empathy game and obviously all the projects and links that are related to you. Um, it made what you just said make me made me think of Oprah. I grew up on Oprah. I'm the generation of Oprah. Oprah watching, and she said that the, her biggest takeaway through the thousands of interviews that she did is everybody wants to be understood. Everybody wants to be seen, heard, like you said, you know. So, could you take a minute before we? Um, uh, before we 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 close our conversation to talk about some of the the organizational work you do, like the training or the culture building work that you do and about Empathy Week. For sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, some of the work that I do, I love this work I and I love talking to you because it's fun being in this space. It just gives me so much hope when you see other people working on this. Like, yeah, lately we've seen quite a bit of hate um, towards the LGBTQIA plus community, like it's been strong. Um, and so, um, yeah, just doing this work gives me a lot of hope for sure. Um, but yeah, a lot, some of the work that I do is um, go into organizations and um, we do workshops. And a lot of times it's using um, the swipe your stereotype and we can actually use it when people are brave enough we use it with actual people in within the organization, um, which is very eye-opening because it uses their pictures and people don't know that it might be um, somebody from like the top level and then like going down all different people and they see that it's somebody that they work with. And what it does is open their eyes to like, I have put that person in a box. I didn't realize that they are a full human being that have these experiences and these fears and these hopes. Um, so just bringing empathy into the workplace like that. Um, I also work with Guy Three Shukla um, at Campfire Kinship and we do a lot of um, empathy workshops as well. Um, and a lot of it is teaching people how to listen to one another and how to have those conversations because as soon as we open ourselves up and listen, 
um, we were able to step into that person's shoes and create a place of belonging. Um, so yeah, workshops with organizations. And my goal is to do some visual campaigns with organizations at some point too. Uh, we just ran our first empathy week, which was unbelievable. Um, we ran it in Calgary. It's the first week of June and Humanology used to run it. Um, they didn't have the power anymore to do it. it. Their mandate changed. And so they handed it over to a group of us. Um, Jillian Williamson and Jean-Marc Robin from Studio Lumen and Anshu Steven from Fill Your Jar. And so the four of us worked on a video project a while ago called Unlikely Friends. Um, and so we came together. We're all like very much believing in conversations, bringing people together to lessen the divide. And so Empathy Week is, um, yeah, first week in June and we have a different event every single day. Um, it, it is like so varied. We have artists that do, one artist um, was doing art-based therapy um, all the way to um, corporations and talking about uh, gathering race-based data um, to move us forward. And so there's something for everybody. All of the things are varied, but one thing it has in common is it all has to do with empathy and hearing other people's stories. Um, so yeah, that's the first week in June. Um, we're going to do it again this year. Um, we have, we had an Indigenous elder fireside chat, which was so powerful. And the coolest thing about it, there's about 75 people that came, but the best thing about it was that the population that came was so varied um in age in background um it just it was so neat to see everyone come together and just sit under these trees and listen to this elder talking it was beautiful um so yeah that that one uh made a big impact i think and we're excited to move it forward sweet well my my hope for you guys uh is that empathy week be a as big a draw for calgary as the stampede you know wouldn't that be <laughs> oh i love that can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Right? That yeah. Would be... Shannon, thank you for all the amazing work that you do. Uh, it's been a great conversation. I wish you only the best. Um, I wonder if you'd indulge the last question around um, a personal story from your life when you were on the receiving end of empathy and what that meant for you. For sure. I, so when I said I was going to do the podcast, which I was really excited about, I had a different one. But actually, in the last couple of weeks, um, my sister really stepped up. So I kind of wanted to share about that because it was, yeah, well, maybe it's too close to home. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's been quite a bit of hate and discussion around the 2SLGBTQIA plus community lately. A lot of stuff is rising to the surface. Um, and I was talking to my sister about it um, and she's not in the community. Um, and she just sat there and just listened, um, which was so powerful for me. She's a great listener anyway, but just holding that space. But then I think, Oh, I didn't know this was so close to home. <laughs> but then I think the thing that was the most powerful was she said, I'm going to go to these rallies and because there's some rallies going on about save the children and stuff happening in schools, like having pride in schools and how that's wrong. And she's like, I'm going to go to the rallies and see what they're talking about. Um, and I was like, because I'm worried for her safety. I'm like, okay, I'll go with you. Just let me know. And she, and she said, no, I'm doing this without you. I don't want you to hear it. Um, 
maybe I shouldn't have shared this one, <laughs> um, but it was just so powerful that she took that on. Um, yeah. If we decide, if you give me permission to use this story, because we can go to the other one too, if you want. Um, I think why I'm, I'm moved by you sharing is that the power that empathy has when we're on the receiving end of it marks us. It leaves an imprint that can yeah. move us to tears weeks later. And I bet you, you could tell that story 10 years later and it could move you to tears. Yeah. And that's because, and I, I've been talking to, um, to somebody who studies our, our brains, we do not move through life I mean, we're thinkers and feelers. Okay, we're both of those things. But we believe that most of our behavior is motivated by our thoughts. And he's saying that is not true. We are motivated by our feelings. That's how we move through the world. And that really makes sense to me. We're feeling creatures, right? So I, I remember coming across this idea that we're called homo sapiens, but we really could have been called homo sentience, homo feelings, right? And so I'm moved by your story because you were moved by the feelings that her empathy for you aroused. That's right. the power of empathy. And if we gift more of that to each other in the world at an aggregate level, what would the world look like? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, yeah, definitely hit. And it makes you feel like you're not alone in things too. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very powerful. And as you mentioned earlier too, like, that's why so many people doing this work, somebody asked me on an interview once about how do I rise above competition within the field? I'm like, this, it's not competition. It's like, when I hear somebody else is doing stuff for empathy, I'm like, yes, and then, and they're like, and look at this person. It's like, yes. And look at this person, like the more, the better, because we want more empathy in the world. And yeah, it's true. It is very powerful. And I appreciate you so much holding space for me. And this interview was really, really, it was fun. And then it was quite powerful at the end. So thank you so much. Thank you for the work you're doing. You sound like an amazing educator and artist and activist and, and sister and friend and all of that. So uh, I want to thank you. And I want to thank everyone who's been watching and listening. We'll see you next week at, at, at Powerful Empathy, at Purposeful Empathy. <laughs> Powerful Empathy. Thanks so much for watching this episode, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the channel. Purposeful Empathy is devoted to amplifying the voices of people from across the globe who understand the world needs more empathy and are doing something about it. You've just done something about it by watching the show. Again, subscribe if you can, and consider picking up a copy today.